her hands just too slippery, too sweaty, and she just falls forward. And she ah! and she falls out of the ship. Wait, she just begins to plummet at full speed. What? What? We're gonna set it off. Time to step inside. Well, everything comes down to the dice. A table of friends in a DM. In a radical, magical fantasy land. In a radical, magical fantasy land. We're Podcast where everything that happens is up to the players and down to the dice. I really hope the dice are in my favor this time, oh, baby, because I don't know what I, I can do. I hope I roll at least a D. 17. We'll see. I hope I well, roll a D. It all comes down to the dice. Um, hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. So grateful to have you guys here. My name is Adam. I'm your DM for this evening. Uh, we'll do just brief introductions. We have Dan Summer. Hey, yo, it's me. I play Conrad. Nice. Okay. And we have Oleg Anderson. Hey, I'm Avon Shadowborn. And we have, ooh, Shadowborn. That is a development since tight. episode three. Very good. And we nice. have Ryan Tunney. The lovable giant, actually, he's an orc, Gorin. Hello, everybody. Yeah, good thing you clarified this because you know someone's going to come on there and say, actually, there's a stat difference in giants and orcs. Um, And then last but not least, we have Jake Joseph. Hey, what's going on, everyone? I play Shrondagoni. Tiefly Lovely. Beautiful. All right, guys. So before we get into the episode, we just have a couple quick announcements for you. So, Dan, take it away. Okay. Announcements. Uh, We have prologues available uh, on our Patreon. They are not required listening at all, but they do add some more backstory to each of our characters before they all meet in episode one. You can find the link in our Patreon to our Patreon in the doobly-doo down below or wherever it is. Um, If you like our show, too, this is an announcement to you. If you like our show and want to see more of us, we have each have socials. I'll listen to doobly-doo down below or across or up or whatever. Some of us are on TikTok, Twitch, Instagram, etc. Feel free to check us out there. And number three, the show is currently playing playtest material for D&D's newest edition, temporarily named 1D&D. As such, revisions are coming out all the time, including uh, revisions of the rules and what our characters can do. Uh, Things like... Things might randomly randomly change between episodes. Uh, We'll do our best to relay all those changes and as we come across them. I would also like to interject here that by the time you beautiful people are listening to this, it's possible that the changes have come out after we have recorded. So if you come Uh, out and Or that you're listening. Yes. So if I turn into a bear and fly, because the old rules said that I could do that, and all of a sudden they don't, although I don't see a bear flying. Just let us catch up. Let us catch up. This is actually a perfect loophole for us to just do whatever we want. And we can just say, actually, it was in the, at the time that we recorded, it was in the, it was permissible in the new rules. So it didn't specify we couldn't. And you can't find them anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Prove us wrong. Um, okay, I'm getting into my zen, uh, space. 
previously on the show. Our heroes defended the Nightgrounds estate from invading forces, but complications quickly arose. Beethoven Nightgrounds, son of nobleman Futessen Nightgrounds, remained stable but unconscious after an assassination attempt. Beethoven's uncle, Emery Nightgrounds, has emerged, igniting tensions, especially with Goran, who is determined to bring Emery to justice, for what we're not quite sure. In a daring move, Istrabel Nightgrounds, Beethoven's younger teenage sister, boldly commandeered Shron Degani's Skyjet, determined to catch the flyaway orb of precious Philodium ore hurtling away in the sky. Now just in time, Shron managed to leap aboard himself. Back on the ground, Avon, Goran, and Connor Kane were horrified as previously vanquished assailants arose from the dead, animated by some unknown force. Conroy Kane fell in battle but managed to cling to life as Avon and Goran returned the dead to their graves, hopefully permanently this time. Suspecting foul play, Goran apprehended Emery Nightgrounds. Meanwhile, in the skies, Shran and Istrabel located the elusive flyaway orb. We witnessed Istrabel employ mysterious magic to secure the floating ore, but her triumph was short-lived as a malfunction in the Skyjet's floatium engine left her and Shran in a deadly freefall from great heights. Shran, Conroy, Avon, and Goran, what happens next is up to you and down to the dice. And Shran, you have never seen your floatium crystal turn to a dark gray like this. And in that moment, you start to fall. Oh, what happens next is up to you and down to the dice. All right, we're going to start with Shran Dagani live in the hot seat. You have just begun to fall. You're up 160 feet now. You fall immediately 10, 20, 30 feet before I need you and Istrabel to make dexterity saving throws as the rope attaching your ship to the cr- the floating that you just caught snaps taut and mm. you guys are holding onto your ship. DM, are we actually falling or is are we somehow finding a little bit of support from this foreign floating, the green one? So you don't know yet. Um but you are definitely, at the very least, you are falling faster than the floatium uh, core that you have just netted. And so that rope becomes taut. There's a serious whiplash, and you and Istrabel have to try not to get thrown from the ship. That's a dexterity saving throw? That's right. Okay, uh, I'm oh, sure this could be edited Why do nicely. I do this to my NPCs? Okay, what'd you get? Okay, so a dexterity saving throw, I would just add my dexterity modifier because if I don't have a proficiency with that That's right. Yeah. Okay. 17 DM. Okay. You are used to things like this. You've never had your, like, you've never had your floatium die, but you are used to malfunctions up in the sky and you brace yourself. You hold onto the helm. Your back almost breaks against the back chair, the backrest, and you just feel a massive collision against your chest as Istrabel collides into your chair, almost falls out as she rolls a 12, but she wraps her arms around you and she manages to stay inside the ship. Your ship is now literally sideways. Um, <laughs> and your floatium is is a dull gray in its chassis. Um, and you see a, a bunch of your lifelines start to unspool from where they're spooled up. They, as they're now hanging 20, 30, 40 feet down. Wow, wow. Do I have time to do anything? It is your turn right now. Okay, I would just like to rack my mind with adrenaline pumping through every vein in my body. Have I 
ever heard of Floatium dying like this or hiccuping like this uh, because of someone's... I, I'm into... I'm leaning already that Istra's magic that enabled her to catch this foreign Floatium is what did this. Thrawn doesn't believe that it's the Floatiums being close together, uh, but I just want to see what I know about this. Okay, roll a... What skill do you want to roll for this? Let me ask you, DM. Would Floatium be considered more of a magical or natural in my mind? I'd say I you can make an argument either way. Okay, I'll do Arcana. Okay, roll Arcana. Come on, baby. Whoa. 13. You've never heard of this happening before. <sighs> okay, I say, hold on, Estra, hold on. And I, 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 I grab it with my left arm and I reach back uh, and like with my lo- one leg, like curling around the seat as much as I can to try to give myself a little bit of traction. While I, you're doing this, she says, I told you this was a bad idea. Got up. And I, <laughs> and I, uh, I reach back and I just pound on my Floatium. Uh, to, to, and, and as I do that, I, I, I glance at it and I glance at the Floatium in the sky. Is it still growing, glowing green? It is still glowing green. Uh, just a slightly different hue, hue than the blue that you're used to. And you see that you are sinking. You are going down, not as fa- not as fast to be like in free fall, but you're probably falling 40 feet uh, 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 around. So you will um, very likely take fatal damage if, at this speed. Okay, I, I'm, I'm smacking my crystal to kind of try to give it a jump start. It does, is, uh, and it works, right? Okay. Um, <laughs> it, you are pounding on the stone. Nothing seems to be happening. Goran, <laughs> Conroy, and Avon, Futescent, and Emery are with you. Goran, are you still in the clearing or are you walking back to the house? No, I still have Emery in my hand. Okay, but you're, you're just out in the clearing. With, yeah, because with- I heard Futescent like running down. Oh, the way, I don't know, maybe I'm, con- or maybe I'm mistaken, but the way he, like, the way I envisioned it was like, yeah, he was kind of like coming in front of me with his hands up, like, stop. Oh, yeah. So he, he's more like 40 feet behind you uh, shouting from like his front porch because you had to kind of go chase uh, Emery out onto the property. So he's saying, hey, oh, right. hold on, hold on. And he doesn't seem that alarmed. Um, uh, I'll wait for him to I'll put the cuffs on myself okay. uh, if I can, just on Emery. Uh, and I will wait for Futescent to come. So, OK, and I then suddenly peace of my mind, all of your Rocky talks start. <laughs> And you hear, I told you this was a bad idea. Shut up. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you just hear this very questionable conversation start to happen from your Rocky talkies. And Emery looks at you and Futescent, he looks back at you, Conroy and Avon, as he hears your Rocky talkies going off. And he says, and then and Emery and Futescent both say, where's Istra? And they look up at the sky and they don't see anything because, Sharon, you're hundreds of feet away, uh, oh. laterally. Oh, um, man. Do you guys, you all hear this at the same time. What do you guys do? I uh, hold still. Um, I don't, not that I don't care, but. Wow. I Thanks didn't say a that. Lot, Ryan. I do, but I have bigger fish to fry than a. And a little piece of wood in the sky. You mean a um, bounty to go and cash in and make more than yes. 10 gold? No, it's not about the money. It's about the principle. Okay? Let's get that straight, everybody. It's about the principle. Um, do I hear Emery and um, Futesha say like, oh, where, where is she? Yeah, for sure. Because um, Emery's right in front of you. Actually, I don't think I saw like, I don't think I fully understood what was happening because of like Emery and you're just so distracted. thrown at them. So, yeah, I'm I'm. I'm going to leave it. 
Okay. Up to you guys. Avon and Conroy, do you guys do uh, anything? Avon grabs the walkie, hearing issues with Istra and uh, Strawn there, and, and I just sort of like, uh, update, uh, are you guys okay? Hey, Conroy, what about you? I would probably still kind of be in shock from being unconscious and now conscious again. So, yeah, I I don't respond or anything to the talkie. Okay, you're you're so distracted, actually, because the first thought that you have when you wake up is you say, wait a minute, I was just healed with an herbalism kit. That's not how the rules work. And actually, we're going to use this as a perfect segue <laughs> into an apology I have to make to all of our listeners. Listeners, last episode, Conroy was resuscitated um, using a medicine kit. We got some of the rules wrong on there. Um, medicine kits can be used to stabilize, but they can't be used to bring someone back to consciousness. So they're stabilized. They won't die, but they won't awaken with like with one hit point. And uh, Con- um, sorry, Tron was using a herbalism kit, but what he really needs to do to do this is use a medicine kit. So we will correct that moving forward, but what's done is done. Amen? Amen. So, um... But that is why Conroy can't say anything, because he's just thinking about how these rules were missed in the meta. And he's going, oh, no, I can't do anything, because part of me says I should still be unconscious right now. How does that work? Shron, you are still rapidly sinking in the sky. You're pounding on the crystal. Nothing seems to happen. And Istra holds on. She says, what do we do? Something you did interrupted my Flodium. What did you do? Wow, just like a man to blame a woman for his problems. Listen, listen. And I look her deep in the eyes and I close my eyes and I I try to take a deep breath and I cast guidance on her, a cantrip, and I say, you know what you're doing. Make it better. What is guidance and what does it do? Okay, guidance is a cantrip. Which is a reusable spell, a spammable spell essentially. Yes. Now, uh, druids use, uh, in one D&D, so to speak, we use, I think, what's called primal nature. So, with this primal magic, you touch one willing creature once before the spell ends, which is up to a minute, as long as I can concentrate. The target can roll a D4 and add the number rolled to one ability check of its choice. It can roll the die before or after making the ability check, and then the spell ends. I'm pretty much just trying to give her um, a little bit of extra something because I think that she's the way to to kickstart my floating again. Okay. She says, I don't, I didn't do anything. The rock, the rock just turned off. Try, Istra. And she, she turns, she almost falls out of the, the sky jet as, you know, she's not used to being at this angle. She's climbing the one chair. She puts her one foot on your shoulder as you're bracing yourself in the chair. Your foot is now on the side railing, but now that's your new floor. And she reaches oh, out. She goes, she reaches out. To, I can't reach it. And she's trying to touch the flo- the floatium core, but her arms are not as long as yours. I, you'll need to, you'll need to hold me out. Uh, I try with one arm still holding on to the back of my chair, and I, with my other arm, I try to like, you know what? I, give me your hand, okay? And I, I kind of like a Roman handshake. I grab her wrist and I and I lean her out. Okay, roll an athletics check Ooh. for me. Monstrani Dagani, and I'm gonna roll for her. Athletics, you said? Yeah. 11. Okay. Um, that is... It would have been good enough if she hadn't rolled so low. DM, is, it, oh. is this a skill challenge? Can he combine another skill with it? Uh, he cannot combine like, another skill, but he could use a medicine check. But I forgot that she has guidance on her next check. Oh. So she will roll. It's a d4. Yeah, so she had a 7. She just rolled... She 
Let's roll a two to get a nine. I'm gonna say that's like a mixed success. She is leaning forward. She trusts you a little too much. And she, just a little bit more. Her fingers are just beginning to graze the floatium. Nothing seems to be happening. And then her hands just too slippery, too sweaty. And she just falls forward. And she, ah! and she falls out of the ship. She just Wait, begins to plummet at full speed. What? DM, what? DM. She yep. has, she is tied to a lifeline. No, she's not. Yes, I told her in the last episode, oh. tie on to a lifeline. Yeah. Oh, baby. The rope breaks. And then she. <laughs> um, that's simple. Okay, I will. I'm going to roll damage for her because this rope will arrest her fall. Um, it is a proper harness, so it's not gonna like snap her back. It's but. not like one of those like uh, those red ones that you. Oh, yeah, the spring-loaded ones. Yeah, the spring-loaded uh, ones. <laughs> we don't have you know that technology. We, we got flying <laughs> ships. We don't got spring-loaded safety harnesses. No, no OSHA here, apparently. Dang it. Okay. That's funny. Uh, she falls. Her fingers just graze the floatium. <gasps> And she falls, and you don't doesn't even have time to make eye contact with you, Sharon. As she falls, her heel clips the rail, and oh, she just begins spinning. She tries to grab onto the rope, but she has twenty feet before it just comes to a sudden, sudden abrupt end. And you Where's just Stacey? and you just see her body just hang limp, and <laughs> your floatium crystal. <laughs> suddenly roars back to life as it naturally just wants to stabilize and starts careening crazily to the left. The rope holding your ship and the floatium core that you're trying to catch goes tight again as it tries to continue to go up. Your ship's trying to go left as it's trying to stabilize. You're in the helm. What do you do? Uh, I I say, Mozzie, hold it steady! And I reach out to Istra's lifeline. Okay. If I am at all secure, holding on with one arm to my armrest, I suppose. You're saying I'm kind of being pulled in two different directions at once? The rope is taut, but you're not falling oh. anymore. So there's a rope attached to a green piece of floatium trying to pull me one way. My floatium is taking me left, and then I also have this body dangling out of the back. <laughs> yeah, Avon, give me a perception check. Uh, so that is 22. Yeah, you look Ooh. over to where you think they left, and you think you see a couple birds far off in the distance. Not real, not realizing it is Shran and Istra. Shran, what are you doing? I'm. Oh man. Well, with my one arm, I am trying to uh, wrap. You know how you try to pull a rope in, and then you kind of twist your wrist in a counterclockwise motion okay. to try to spool her back as gingerly as I can. While with <laughs> my right hand, I'm going to try to grab my wheel. And and start try to at least get us. You know what? I hit the brakes and I turn in towards. I hit the brakes. Of course, I hit the brakes and I try to so that she's not like being pulled like fifty miles an hour. Okay. Um. You use hit the brakes. Uh. Oh man. And she swings forward. And in that swinging forward, um, some of the rope loosens back, and you realize if if you're gonna have a chance of pulling her up, it's gonna be as you're swinging lightening her gravity but you you're but you're already your floatium core roaring back to life that bright blue is just like pounding it is back to life a resurgence of power it is automatically stabilized now now that's had a moment it is holding the green floatium at bay it is just orbiting above you like your own personal little moon and uh you have this swinging child um oh. down beneath you and every time she swings you pull up a little bit more on the rope 
Yeah. And I, and I pull her up, and as soon as I grab her hand, and I'm calling, Istra! Istra! Look at me! And as soon as I can touch her, I cast Cure Boons. That's my last spell slot. That's everything I got, <laughs> man. Okay. She gets uh... up there. You grab her hand. And you pull her up. Her feet again catch on the railing. You put her, her, like, this dead weight body on the deck. You cast Cure Wounds. You feel the magical energy pass from your body. And it's trying to find purchase in her. Oh, no. You see. And then dies. No, I'm kidding. And she. Uh, ow. Oh, my ribs. Yes. And you have successfully oh. saved Istrabel. There you yes. go. Uh, do you want, I can be your hero. Do you want me to roll this D8, DM? Uh, I'll roll it. Oh, no, you roll it. Sorry. I'm proud of you, Shron. Yeah. boy. Uh, wow, okay. Plus your level, I believe, right? Uh, I thought it was spell modifier. Which is, we'll just say, what's my spell casting modifier? Your wisdom proficiency. Okay, 11. Okay. 11? Well. I, I rolled well. Okay, she she's feeling tip-top shape, and she says, can we go back home? Yeah. Are you all right? Did we still... And she opens her eyes, for, looking around actively now for the first time. She says, did we get the floatium? Don't say anything. I don't care about me. Just, Istra, I sit down in my chair, <laughs> and I just say, I am so glad you're alive, because if you were dead, so would I be. <laughs> And I, <laughs> you got that right. And I just, <laughs> I bite my my tongue, and I turn around, uh, and I do a little bit of exercising with like my ship, so to speak, to get comfortable with the floatium, the new floatium, and I start returning. Okay, we're gonna fast forward here to when Shron is parking. He's his skyjet. Uh, lands right in front of the stairs to the main entrance of the house to a waiting accolade of, I'm assuming Avon, Conroy, and Gorin, you guys are all in place waiting? Well, Avon comes running because he never responded back to me on the walkie to go and say whether things were kosher or not up there. Okay. I'd still just be holding Emery. Okay. Dude, I, I was not even aware that you talked to me. <laughs> to be honest, I did not even register that. I'm sorry. <laughs> and Emery um, is... Are you holding him like above ground or is he like standing? No, I'd say he's like standing now, but I have a firm grasp on his uh okay. his clothing. And he he all of his attention seems fixed on Istra, just like uh because that's his niece, and Futessen is there too. And a couple servants have come up and they have like a stretcher, they have a bunch of medical supplies and some water and and things like that. And as soon as it lands, Futescent and Emery tries to, but if you don't let go, he doesn't fight it. Um, a bunch, a little entourage runs up towards the Skyjet and they clamor and they say, Istra, Istra. And she says, guys, I'm fine. Look, we got it. We got the Floatium. Do you guys do anything? I, I look to uh, Shran to see if, see, see how he's doing and in response to her saying, we got the Floatium. I park the Big Daddy getaway and I, do I see Avon looking at me appraisingly? Sure. And I wish I could describe the look I give him, but I, j I, I trust that my visage is saying, get this chick out of here. <laughs> and I say, 
We got it. We got it all right. Istra, you first. Uh, and I help her off and get her on the stretcher to go be taken away. Okay, and she's she just getting off when she stops and says, oh, wait. And she takes off the your leather jacket and says, this is yours. Thanks. It got cold up there. Hey, Dad, look, we got it. And she hops off the ship. She <laughs> winces as she goes, oh, ow. Yeah, those, those harnesses sure are tight, huh? And Futescent, he just quickly looks at all four of you and he says, I will deal with you all shortly. Uh, payment plus much more. Thank you so much. And then, and then he calls to another group of horsemen that are riding up. Another reminder that this is a fantasy world. <laughs> and uh, all these knights come running up, or not knights, but uh, militia that kind of work nearby that he has summoned some way. And they all have uh, ropes and they're beginning to lob up and grab this floatium. And he says, we're going to study this and we're going to find out where this is from. And they begin at work at it. And then he points to you, Avon, and he says, why don't you guys go down to the kitchen, get yourself something to eat, and we'll, we'll I, I think we could all use a, a short rest for mechanical healing purposes. And then we could, uh, <laughs> and we can talk after that. Uh, DM, I would like to just kind of, if I can make eye contact with Gorin real quick, I kind of do like a little head nod to, to gesture that I want to, I need to talk to him real quick. Okay, I nod. Um... I do. I have the handcuffs on Emery. Um, he would have tried to resist it if you put them on. Have you? Would you have forced them on him? Oh, I would have definitely tried. <laughs> okay. Uh, what? What's? I think I know the answer to this. But what skill do you want to use to to do this? Um, athletics. Uh, nature. <laughs> what is the nature of Emery? <laughs> what is his or survival? Who's gonna win? Who's gonna outlast who? Okay. Well, let's roll athletics to see. Come on, buddy. Come on. I got a 13. Oh, I got a 14. He has... (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) He he has clenched his fists so you can't get them on. Because these slide onto his hands. So he he has clenched his fists so that you can't put them on. He's like, no, 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 no. And every time you try to, like, pry his fingers up, he bites your hand. (laughs) And so you haven't been able to get these cuffs on him. Um, That's the only bad thing about these cuffs. They got to slide on, like, gloves. But he okay. hasn't tried to cast any spells. Okay, I just jerk him kind of with me. Um, Odd like direction in the, in the for the show, but okay. In the in the way I'm walking, and I go walk up with um, with Sharon. Okay, Conroy, um, you are just following everyone as you get up to the dais, and you hear, eh, eh, ah, oh, my my ribs. And you see Beethoven stumbling out of the main entrance. Um, Now conscious, he has come back and he walks in. He says, hey, what a miss. Hey, this is Adam, and I'm just popping in to say thanks for listening to Down to the Dice. If you like what you hear so far, don't forget to subscribe and please leave a review in your podcast app because it helps other people to find the show too. Also, it would mean so much to me and the guys if you told a friend about our podcast face-to-face. We're going to get back to the show in just a second, but first I wanted to let you know about this week's episode of Down to the Dice and how it's brought to you by Hello Kelly and their new record, Sweet Nostalgia. With influence Influences ranging from the band Camino, Sum 41, Death Cat for Cutie, and Ben Rector, Sweet Nostalgia by Hello Kelly sounds like if Nickelodeon cartoons got trapped in the upside down from Stranger Things. Strange combination, I know, but it's really incredible. It's bright and glammy with a twist of dread. You can find Sweet Nostalgia on your streaming platform of choice, and you can live in the good old days today. Now, let's get back to the show. 
you guys are all sitting in a little uh, servant's hall kitchen. There are fridges and, and shelves full of foods and jarred goods. And you've been basically left to your own devices here. You hear absolutely nothing. It is finally silent. What do you guys do? Just uh, a- can we do a short rest while we're sitting here? Yes, I'll give you a short rest. So for everyone. Just so everyone knows, Emery is with us. Okay, or I will allow you to, if you choose, you can put him in a in a bedroom and lock him in there. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't know any secret passages or anything out of there. I know, this is like his hometown, yeah, that's his right. kingdom. Nice try, DM, nice try. <laughs> you know what, I'll say this, I'll say this. Just for because I want you guys to be able to have a conversation. Futescent, before you guys go, just a little retcon, he does come up to you and he says, listen, Goran, and I know, oh, sorry, Sean, you wanted to talk to Goran before we, we broke for, for mid-roll. All well, I wanted to ask him was if he I, I'm I'm kind of gleaning that he knows his way around a castle maybe more than most of us because he's a he's a do I know he's a quote unquote paladin? You would. He has a tattoo w- on his arm. Right. Yeah. I just wanted to ask him where I would be able to park uh, my vehicle so that so that I could be pretty sure that it's safe in the parking lot. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll say that, you know, they <laughs> they find a place for you to park it relatively safely on the grounds. But shortly after that, Futessen does come up to you briefly. He seems really disheveled, but relieved that Istra is okay. And he sa- he goes up to you, Goran, uh, and he says, thank you so much for everything you did. You saved my son's life. Listen, my brother, he's an idiot, but he means no harm. Mm. Do you really need to treat him like this? I mean, he's here now. He'll happily stay in trial, but he doesn't need to be locked up like, like an animal in a cage. He's already tried to escape from me twice. Once was successful. I can't trust that he'll be good in your care. But he's here now. He, if he, and what's saying he doesn't leave? I say he won't leave. You can trust me. Ooh. He's a pretty noble man. But no, um, ah, it was worth a shot. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> Goran does look with a very puzzled look on his face because he's thinking, um, "What's Emery doing?" Like still just kind of Emery, does he like look <laughs> nonchalant? He is, he he is trying very hard to match the facial expressions of whatever's going on. So when uh Futessen's talking, he's looking very serious like he agrees. And then when you're talking, he's trying to look very guilty. You know, yeah, yeah, I did that. Oh, and, 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 and when Futessen says, Man, like you you have my word, he goes like, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I say yeah, Goran kind of uh Yeah, no. <laughs> loosens his grip a bit as he pushes him and he pushes him away from him into his brother and he reaches out with his hand, says, If I have your word, I'll trust it. I need to carry out this contract. He goes up and shakes your hand, which disappears in yours, because your hand is so large, and he says, Trust me, by now, he looks back at his brother, he's got nowhere else to go. Mm. Moving back to present time, you're in the kitchen, four of you alone. Emery will assume he's under house arrest in his bedroom. You're up. When we go to the cafe, uh, yeah, Goran orders a glass well, of milk. Well, this isn't the cafe. This is a uh, just like the servant's kitchen. Servant's kitchen but there's, there's lots of milk in jars in a cold storage underground. I go get two glasses of milk okay. and put them down in front of me. Okay. The four of you are alone. 
Oh, and I should take a quick moment, sorry, a short rest for everyone who doesn't know. Um, there are two types of rest that players can take in D&D. A long rest is when all of your hit points, all of your spell slots, all of your abilities are restored, but you need to rest for a minimum of six to eight hours, I believe. I'll double check that. But a short rest can happen in as little time as half an hour, and you can restore some of your hit points, which are attributed to your hit dice. You have one hit dice per level. All of our characters are level one, so they have one hit dice. Every class gets a different hit dice uh, related to their class which they can reroll to regain hit points. Uh, only some classes regain their spell slots and other abilities during short rests, but I'm sure that will come to light as we play. But all of our players have taken a short rest. Go. Um, can we assume that, or, or um, Avon, right? Yeah, Avon, yep. Yeah, can we assume he was given the gold to like divvy up? Um, you have not yet been paid. Oh, we haven't. Oh, I thought we were paid already. Okay, never mind. So yeah, I Goran sits down, takes a large drink of the milk, uh, sets the cup down and just says, so what's next? Avon sits down across from him, looking at him. He's like, well, we've fulfilled this contract. I'm sure he'll probably have something to offer for us. What makes you say that, mate? Well, he's going to need somebody talented to go and investigate where that podium uh, core came from. Well, they took it with them to research. You know, DM, I, I, I'm assuming I have some kind of drink. Definitely have some water. Yeah. And I, and I... Uh, I, I get my left middle finger and I'm kind of massaging it around the rim and I lift it up to take a sip and I think to myself, I say, green floatium. You don't see that every day. And I would like I to know think... it's possible. Uh, well, it happens from time to time. Uh, accent slipping there. DM, do I know... Have I encountered green floatium before? Well, roll a history check. Ooh. Should we all just roll history or no? Yeah, sure. Everybody roll... But I'm the one who asked. Well, seeing how I don't have a ship, I probably would. Yeah, I got a two, so Gore knows nothing. Gore's like, wait, wait, Floatium is what? <laughs> <laughs> is that the name of the daughter? <laughs> so that's what I've been feeling my ship <laughs> with. <laughs> the name of the daughter. Uh, just a six. Okay. Conroy? I got 12. Okay. Ah. And Avon? And the person who probably should know the least about Floatium rolled a 15. Okay. Um, You have seen some. Conroy and Avon. Conroy, you, the places that you remember seeing it, where one of your, actually, you just saw it very recently in your flashback. Um, there were deposits of green floatium there, still buried underground, but veins of it were coming up. And Avon, that green floatium, mm. you remember seeing it in the roots of your tree. I don't tell them that. <laughs> And I just say, it's possible that it's not really from around here. I don't really know. Now, Istra's all right, but I don't think she was a target. What makes you say that? All of their lives were at risk there. Well, Beethoven's the only one who got hurt. And I, I wasn't I, even there with that. I, I look over at Conrad and I'm like, he wasn't the only one who got hurt. But I mean, he almost died for God's sakes. No, you know what I mean, though. Like, like there was obviously a hit on one of their lives. And, but they, they could have gone after Futescent, even that Emery guy, and that no one did. What makes Beethoven so different? Ivan, you know him, don't you? No, I'm kind of. I mean, he is the male heir of this family. Well, how old? Are they humans, DM? They're humans. They are. Well, Futescent's not, like, on his deathbed. No, but I mean, if you think of it competitively for families, I mean, he would be the one who would lead the family. He told us in his bedroom that he's a hunter. Not interested in all this. Maybe he's looking to live out his dream. Change it up. 
By killing his family? I mean, no, not like that. <laughs> By getting himself killed? Some, mm. Something's not right. Anyway, somebody's after this the, the, the lad. As this uh, conversation is happening, I pull out the, uh, the longbow that I grabbed and the black arrows, and I say, maybe they're, they're, we can figure out a connection with these. I don't know if they are special in any way or magical, but I retrieved this from the attacker on the balcony. DM, I swear to God, I compare my druid focus to the, to the branch, or to the wood made of the bow. Okay. Mm. Uh, give me a nature check. Nature? Okay. Ten. <laughs> that pause. Um, you look at them. They're both wood, but the these arrows, they are a different color than your druidic fo- focus. Your druidic focus is a very hard wood. It's a bark, um, but it is a dark brown, almost black. But these arrows are black. Um, but... It's dim down here. You can't tell. Is this stained? Is, are they painted? Or is the wood just naturally this dark? Um, but they do look different. Okay. Thank you. Thank God. Okay. Hey, Connie, you're saying that there was there was somebody in inside the castle, inside the estate. Yes, there was, there was somebody on the third balcony that was the person who shot Beethoven, right? Back in episode two. Yeah. Um, they were the person that shot Beethoven. Yeah, I I was able to uh, incapacitate them. I attacked them with my sword, and then there's flash of light, and they just happened, and they just died. <laughs> the sacred flame, no credit. <laughs> Dor- Dorian kind of pauses as he takes a sip of his milk and just kind of lets it slide. <laughs> wow, good on you, man. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. Um, all four of you, give me a perception check. Twenty-four DM. Okay, very good. 19. 8. 9. Avon? 19. Okay. Um, Avon and Tron, you both hear, you both hear um, a creak of a door, very quiet, to the back entrance of this kitchen. Hand on the hilt, look, turn to face it, stand up. Okay. I, I look, I glance. Do I see anyone in the doorway? The door is closed. I point two fingers at Conroy, and I... Tap my ear with my other hand. And I, I took you like someone's eavesdropping on us. And I am trying with like a little gesture of my right hand with my two fingers to say, come on, Rogie, get him. <laughs> and I don't know if that translates. Uh, would I interpret that? I, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a way that I could sneak up on? Like, sneak towards that door? Like, is there things to hide behind and such? Uh, the door's closed. You could sneak up to it uh, silently, but it's kind of a straight shot. Okay, yeah, sure. I'll I'll do that. Okay, give me a stealth check. Natural one. Oh, oh you disgrace. Oh, I'm sorry, that's my, that's my second that one on a stealth check. Oh. And you uh you know, you go up to the door and you move like super silently. And then you as you go and you carefully twist the doorknob and you forget to look at the hinges. And you try to pull it open, but you realize it's actually a push. And you, <laughs> and the door just bangs a couple times. And then you hear, a, <laughs> and eventually you push the door open, and you see hiding in a servant's stairwell, Istrabel and Beethoven are there, and they are waiting. And they clear the throat and say, "Well, you, you scared me, Batman." No, 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 no,
that's what I said. And Isabel walks in and she sits down at the table and reaches over and grabs your half finished uh, bottle of milk, Gorin, and she tips it up and has a little sip of it. Ah, wow, so good. I and stand up and offer her my chair. Thanks, Avon, but I got this one right here. <laughs> Why don't you sit? We're all equals right now. <laughs> and Beethoven walks in and says, yes, for now. And he, oh my God. he walks into the table, but he does clap Avon on the back. Then he says, actually, but you know, all I have a moment, I, w- I want to say. <laughs> I love this guy so much. He says, I don't know why it's so funny. You guys almost messed up and let me die. What are we paying you for? I'm kidding. Kind of. But I, 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 I look at him and, and in a hushed voice, I'm like, don't forget, we know where the eel is from the prologue. The DM rapidly searches his memory. He goes, oh, right. He says, I, I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. Listen. And he lifts up his shirt and, he, and you can see just like a freshly bandaged wound piercing out of his sternum. He says, you guys mostly saved my life. My my uncle, you know, he did have a role, but you you kept me on the brink until he got there. And I don't take it lightly, but someone did try to take my life. And that's like so not cool. And then Isabel drops down the, the jug of milk and she says, that stone is a wentail. A what? Wentail. W-E-N-T-A-I-L. It's a certain make of floatium. Very old. Have I heard that name before, DM? Give me a, a history check. Mm. Uh, 11. Okay. And uh, you you would not. And and she says, she says, you probably wouldn't know about it if you didn't know Nightground's history, but it was a competitor maybe 60, 70 years ago. According to the history books, and, and the Nightgrounds bought them out, shut their minds down after they exhausted them. But she shrugs. There were a couple of veins unchecked, but I think if we want to find out where this is all coming from, someone's in those abandoned mines on the Wentail Islands. Still mining, you're saying? Maybe. Well, what's the difference between that and yours? There's subtle differences, but what really matters is where it's from. It gives us a clue. And then Beethoven clears his throat, and he says, I hope you guys are up for another job. And I hope you like... I hope you guys like shopping. He cracks his knuckles because it's time to suit up. Dang. Wait, wait a minute. I finished my milk. Another job. We haven't got paid for the first one. And then he says, yes, my my father will be down shortly to administer the funds for your semi-completed job. And then besides that, then uh, listen, listen, we recognize talent in the four of you. And we want to foster that, as is the Night Crown's tradition, of course. But the most important thing is that we have a lead, and my father will never let us go. But, and then Istrabel interrupts, and she stands up and she says, but we need to get to the bottom of this. And my dad, he's he's never going to let us go. So either wait for him to come down here, pay you your 11 pieces of gold each, and then he'll send you on your way, and you'll never know what's going on. And then you hear Beethoven say, well, he he's probably considering hiring them. And then, then she says, or you come with us, and we track this down. DM, do I... Like, in my travels, do I know how far this planet would be? Uh, give me a history check. A 15. Considering okay. Conroy nice. had a flashback of it, I mean. You don't know how far it is, but you do you do remember mention of the Wentail Mines. Um, connected okay. to the Wentail Estates, and you know they are much closer to the core. So there's different, like, stratospheres where most of these landmasses mm. orbit. 
And one of the reasons that the Wintails just couldn't compete is because a lot of trade ships just didn't want to go down that low to get the goods because you need relatively good floatium to make it back up from going that close to the core. Just because the core's gravity is so much stronger down there. So you do know it is closer to the core. It's a relatively, it's more dangerous than flying up at this height where you are. Mm. I wish I knew that. So I look at, I look at Strawn, I'm like, could your ship get us there? Where? Wherever, wherever Wind we're tail. trying to get the to. The Windtail Mines. Your ship is incredible. Those I, look like my I size. cannot resist, and I say, thank you. Uh, I still don't know where it is, and I'm not even thinking about doing this job. It's about, it's it's uh, about two days. It's, a, it's about two days flying. If you go fast, and if you're taking your time, not wanting to be seen by anybody else, probably around, I don't know, Beethoven, what do you think? Huh, I'd say about five days, I'd say. <laughs> what? Gordon, you have something to say? And your uncle, he'll be here when we get back. <laughs> yes, he's probably playing his little board games up there. I think he's got like mm. a little like scrystone portal open and he's like playing like this game online, like not online, like he's got this like little portal open like that he can like see his other friends through and he's talking about like this game where he pretends to be someone else. It's like so lame. But anyways, <laughs> listen, I know this all sounds really fact, exciting. He was telling me the other day adventure. that he wanted to like get other people to like listen in on it and then they're like, they would become like his fans. And I'm like, you're living in a fantasy, Like a bro. broadcast. Yeah, but it's like, you know, that's Emery. He's always got his mind in the clouds. Um, anyways, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Listen, I know this sounds really cool and exciting and all, but there's all kinds of problems with this plan. Like, my wheels can take one, two, maybe Connie as a third. The Big Daddy getaway is for getting away. It's not for big grand voyages. Well, we like would this. be trying to get away from the core. You Listen, and I'm sure on an established estate like this, as I kind of look over at Beethoven, say, I'm sure they have some things lying around that could really beef up your ship. No, 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 <laughs> that's fine. We would have you guys would have to use your own ship. And then if you had a ship that could carry another ship for an intrusive mission, maybe the big daddy getaway could be used for that. But. And I look at Istra, and I look at Beethoven, and I say, now if that were to happen, your father would have to pay us what's right, and you guys would owe us a favor. Beethoven looks kind of caught up by the, the price, uh, but Istra Bell sighs, and she says, look, we can deal with all the administrative stuff later, that's fine. She reaches inside of her cloak, she rolls up an ancient looking piece of parchment. She says, I was able to take this from the library, it's a very old map, and she unfurls it. And she says, I can get us to the Wendtail Mines. But even I, now that I think about it, your ship is a little too small. We would need something bigger to carry all of us. And we would need supplies. Right. And then you hear, all four of you hear a knocking at that same servant well door. And you look up and all four of you see his shadow casting in the silhouette. See Emery Nightgrounds as he bites into an Whoa. apple. And he says, sounds like you guys need to go shopping. Because I got a ship you can take. And that's where we're going to end tonight's episode. Oh, oh man. Don't do this. I made the guy friggin' force feed him that apple. I love it so much. Yeah. Yeah. 
Hey, this is Adam, and I just wanted to say thanks again for listening to Down to the Dice. If you like what you hear, please do not forget to subscribe to the show, leave a review in your podcast app, and tell a friend about the show too. If you also want to support us in another way, there's a link to our Patreon in the show notes where you can hear bonus episodes, including the prologue for all the characters. And Down to the Dice is brought to you by our editor, Francie, at Hello Francie Sound and Story. You can find him on Instagram for all your sound design and podcast podcast editing needs and fun fact Francie is also the singer of our theme song and if you like that you should check out his band hello kelly and speaking of music our show's tunes are composed by our very own jake joseph with some exceptions whose credits can be found in the show notes as well all right that's all from me thanks again for listening to down to the dice roll that outro music we're gonna set it off time to step inside